Hi, this is Bob Wells here, and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. I hope you enjoy today's show. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Emma Inch. Emma is a renowned and respected beer writer and audio maker, known for her work both here in the UK and overseas. In 2018, Emma received the prestigious Beer Writer of the Year Award, just one of many awards for her writing and audio work. As well as hosting her own podcast, Fermentation Beer and Brewing Radio, which happens to be one of my favourite shows, Emma has acted as taste judge for the prestigious World Beer Awards. Hello and welcome to the show, Emma. Hello, thank you for having me. It's great, great to have you on after so long. Yes. <laughs> yes, we've been trying to set this up for a while, haven't we? <laughs> we, we have, yeah, yeah. No, th- thank you ever so much for coming on. It's great to have you on. Just before we talk about beer, could you tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, please, Emma, and, and your journey and how you became a beer writer, please? So, um, yeah, it wasn't sort of a straightforward journey, I suppose. I've always written. It was always something I wanted to do when I was younger. I always wanted to write, um, but took a different career path and ended up working in mental health for... Uh, around 20 years, um, which thoroughly enjoyed, found very fulfilling. Um, and on the side of that, I had, um, <clears throat> you know, hobbies. Um, so I had, uh, I was very into music, still very into writing. So I did occasionally write for uh, magazines. Yeah. Uh, and later on, I've moved into academia and wrote academic pieces as well. Um, but through the music, I uh, I had a radio show on um Brighton's Radio Reverb. I had a, a rockabilly radio show called Frockabilly. Um, I also used to run some clubs as well called Frockabilly and various yeah. other DJ nights. Um, but once my daughter came along a few years ago, uh, I kind of stuck to the radio. And yeah. uh, and then kind of through that, you know, I'd always loved beer. It had always been my drink of choice. Um, and, you know, kind of when when kind of craft beer began to, to really take off, uh, I kind of put my two loves of radio and beer, beer radio together and kind of thought, hmm, I wonder if there's a radio show in this, really. So started Fermentation Beer and Brewing Radio on Radio Reverb in Brighton. It was the UK's uh, first um, uh, beer-related show on FM radio. Um yes. So did that for a while and through that kind of uh, also started writing about stuff, started meeting people, writing, contributing uh, features to people and, yeah, kind of gradually kind of moved into doing a lot more of beer writing. Yeah, I mean, I've been listening to your show probably for about a couple of years now and Mm -hmm. um, you always have some great guests on and you you do a little bit of stuff where you go live, you go into breweries and all that sort of thing. It's it's really, really fascinating. Um, and there was one one chap you had on um, who was quite into home brewing, and he would come on. I think it was every other show or something. That's right. Yeah, James. Yeah, so he he was very supportive in in helping me set that up from the start. Yeah, and um, yeah, he's an excellent home brewer, and he's done yeah. some home brew talks and stuff like that at uh, BrewCon. I believe the uh, the home. I believe he has anyway at the uh, home brew homebrew uh con in london um yeah fascinating guy yeah Did some interesting yeah. uh, experiments they're worth they're worth listening back to yeah you're still doing the show yeah i mean i i don't do um i don't do it on the radio anymore it's podcast only yeah. um and that's just because um you know I, I wanted to explore that arena of of podcasting really um as opposed to to live radio or local radio so um 
kind of moved into that. It also gave me freedom about uh, how often I could put the shows out. I could do, you know, series of shows and that kind of thing. So yeah. it's been a lot more flexible over the last couple of years in terms of um, in terms of what I've done. So last year there was a show every two weeks. Um, then this year um, it's been different, as everything has. Uh, and I did a short series over lockdown of fermentation in isolation, it was called. Um, yeah. So that kind of, uh, you know, looked at what was happening, um, tried to be of use to trade and consumer during that that difficult time. Um, And at the moment, it's sort of we're having a little break um, while I work on some other projects. But um, it's still there. It's still around. It's certainly not gone anywhere. So, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to hearing hearing the next episode. I mean, Mm. beer is quite an interesting thing. I've I've always liked beer, you know, as as soon as I was um, 18 or perhaps a little bit younger. I shouldn't say that. But as soon as I was 18, I was Mm -hmm. in pubs having a drink. And um, I, I guess probably, I don't know, ten, 10 years ago, there seemed to be, there seemed to have been a bit of a renaissance in beer. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What, yeah. What, what actually happened? Well, I, I think it's sort of, you know, it kind of, uh, we, we followed um, the States to a large extent and, and to some extent still are a little bit. Yeah. Um, the States had a massive revival in brewing, um, which I think home brewing was was a big part of. Home brewing was made le- made legal in the states, I believe, at the end of the seventies, and then sort of for the next couple of decades, people were experimenting with brewing and um, kind of experimenting with using hops and uh, uh, you know these new sort of these flavors that that were, were unusual to to most people kind of appeared and. Um, and I guess we kind of looked to the states and and followed that to a certain extent. But but the UK has its has a very strong brewing culture, as you know, anyway. So uh, you know, unlike the states, we have this big history of of cask ale, um, and that kind of never went away. Although it's you know it's 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 um, had to fight for its for its life on a couple of occasions, but um, it's it's still there. So we've got kind of this combination, I think. And I think where we sit between. Um, the states on the one hand, our own brewing culture on the other, and then you know we're being being so close to Europe as well with the beers of say Germany and Belgium. Um, we're in a great place to to you know to have this sort of brewing renaissance. I mean, the other thing that happened was um, that uh, taxes kind of changed for in in terms of of brewing, and um, it became possible for people to to um, you know, make a bit more of a living uh, brewing small amounts. So a lot more microbrewers came on the scene. A lot more small brewers came came around because um, uh, you know the the tax situation meant that they they um, didn't have to pay such big tax on on making small amounts of beer. So it gave people kind of an opportunity to move into that. And I think there are all sorts of others, you know, social and political reasons that that, that probably were why people decided to move into brewing. You know, alongside the whole, you know. The, you know the things around being more local, being more yeah. organic, being you know the same as we have with sourdough bread or good coffee yes. or you know all of those things, all that kind of stuff came together, I think, and um, yeah, created this sort of this sort of massive amount of choice for for a you know an interested beer drinker. Yeah, it's almost like a cottage industry. Yeah, yeah. It, so I, th- I think there was a lot of stuff around that. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting how. Um, you know, what one probably in, in from about 2000 to about 2010, you'd go to the supermarket and there'd be bottles of London Pride and all the sort of traditional bottles. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you you had companies like Brewdog, for example, mm-hmm. Punk, um, bringing bringing it to the supermarkets, which I, I think was great and and gave 
people like myself a lot a lot more opportunities to experience different flavors absolutely yeah i mean you know brewdog really have taken it to to people in terms of bringing beer to the supermarket and often that is people's first experience of of something um something different than than beer they may have had before yeah 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 one of the other breweries actually not too far from where i live um Oka Males, oh yeah they, they they did one called citra yes was, i think quite ahead of its time yes i mean citra is yes that's a become quite an iconic beer hasn't it it's um yeah. you know with the you know massive uh use of that citra hop the american hop um big bitterness um yeah, it's, it's a great it's a great beer. It's um, and yeah, Oakamales you know should be rightly rightly be very proud of that beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other, the other thing I like about your show is is that you mention food pairing mm-hmm. with beer, which is quite an interesting thing, really, because a lot of people just think, oh, you know, we'll have some wine to go to go with the dinner. But but you and I think is it Jane Payton? That's who, right. Uh, yeah, the the food the food writer. Um, you both talk about how you compare beers with food can you tell us a bit about that please yeah so jane is um she's a, a beer sommelier um so the same as you have wine sommelier she's a, a beer sommelier she's also actually a cider pommelier so um oh, right. which means so she has qualifications in both beer and cider um yeah. and part of that is around sort of encouraging this sort of pairing uh beer and food and of course it's um you know to probably quote Jane quite a lot, um, you know, beers, beer is what people used to drink with food, you know, um, yes. in, in this country particularly. Um, but, over, you know, over millennia, you know, beer's been around, you know, basically since the dawn of civilization, and people have, have always drunk beer with, with food. But also the, the, the great thing about beer is there's a, such a massive range of flavours in beer that, um, that mean it's, it's, it's such a, a versatile drink for pairing with with, um, with with whatever you've got, really, and for experimenting. You know, you can go from big chocolatey dark beers to, you know, a very bitter, uh, you know, bright IPA to um, to a very fruity, juicy, hazy beer to a crisp lager to a sour to a salty beer. There's so many uh, different to a smoked beer. They're fantastic with food, actually. But all these different uh, beers that, that are, are so good and have so many qualities that are fantastic for pairing with food that um, it has been very overlooked, I think. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, I think I think it is, it is gaining a, a bit more traction. Um, but it's and, it, and it's a way of getting people into beer who perhaps might might have previously thought that that beer was either sort of yellow and fizzy or or brown and warm. Um, yeah. It's a way of kind of encouraging people to to think actually you know there is a bit more to beer. Maybe I do like beer and maybe I maybe I would like that with my meal and you know sort of encouraging people to have a think about that. It's quite a creative way of getting people into beer as well. I think. Yeah, I, I think the other thing. I mean, I've got three daughters and and um, they're not big beer drinkers, but they do drink beer occasionally. And, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, it's quite interesting how um, beer traditionally was a bit of a blokey thing. Um, but there's more and more ladies and girls that seem to, to like it now. Yeah, I mean, you know, very traditionally, it was always women who made the beer. Um, so, uh, yeah, brewing beer was always a woman's job in the same way as making the bread or, you know, doing stuff around, around the house, you know, being... Um, you know, preparing the food and drink for the house. It's always a woman's job. Um, and, you know, until quite recently, really, if we think that, that beer's potentially been around for 10,000 years, it's only in the past sort of five or 600 years, really, that, that that's become a man's job. Um, 
And, uh, you know, that sort of came with sort of industrialization and, you know, kind of um, brewing beer on bigger scale kind of thing. Um, but traditionally, women, you know, have had a, had a lot to do with beer and with the development of it. And even in, in some countries, it's still um, the woman's job to make the beer. So, um, you know, it's and, uh, but I think I think beer, yes, was kind of um, hijacked by this idea that it's that it's a man's drink, that it's. Um, and I think unhelpfully, some of that was it has to be drunk in pints. It has to be drunk, you know. The, the association of beer and men's sport, I think, has has excluded some women. Um, and um, you know, and also, yeah, this idea, this sort of idea of buying in rounds, of buying, uh, yeah, as I say, in pints, and and some of that is is a bit of a you know a turn off for some women. Um, but there are a lot lot of women in the in the brewing industry now. Um, Actually, uh, manufacturing know, beer. Yes, yeah, there are. Yeah, so there's there's um, a number of, of brewsters, which is the the uh, word for a female brewer or just oh. female brewer yeah. or just brewer. <laughs> but brewer, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so there, there are women uh, making beer. So there's, uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Jager Wise at Wildcard in Walthamstow. Um, she she also appears on the. Radio Four Food and Drink Show. People may have heard heard her yes, there. Yes, I've, I've seen her. Yeah, yeah, she. Um, she uh, brews beer there. That's her brewery. Um, Sarah Barton at Brewster's Brewery in Grantham. Um, yeah. And then there's, uh, you know, a lot of women who are co-owners of breweries or who are on brewing staff at breweries or who are in the labs or who are doing lots of different work um, at breweries, some amazing uh, female brewers around. Um, and I think, and there's also some work going on. Uh, there's a group called Dea Lattice, um, which is a, a group of women in the beer industry who have done some research to look at what 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 is pre- preventing uh, women from from choosing beer as their drink. Yeah. And I mean, it made pretty bleak reading actually. Like you say, um, you know, a lot of women don't choose beer as their drink of choice. I think um, the UK has one of the lowest, from what I understand, the UK has one of the lowest sort of num- uh, ratios of women choosing beer to drink really? regularly. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of that is um, women fearing how they'll be judged for drinking mm-hmm. beer. And yeah. um, some of that from men, but some from other women as well, um, the sort of uh, fearing that they'll be judged as uh, not not feminine enough or, um, you know, not looking after themselves enough. This sort of association that beer makes you fat or beer makes yeah, you yeah. whatever, all that kind of stuff that... that um, uh, that, that isn't true um, and that, um, you know, that, that unfortunately kind of taints that image for women. So, um, you know, the more women that can get into the industry and, and maybe yeah. food, like you say, food and pairing food and beer is a, is a way to encourage people who have who have perhaps not explored that area to, to explore yeah, well, it a little bit more. I, I think it's, I, I just think beer, so, I mean, I love beer and I brew beer, but I, I just think beer is so great because you get such a variety of flavours, you know, from, from your IPAs down to your stouts. Uh, fruit mm-hmm. beers, uh, all sorts of different flavours. Absolutely, great, yeah. Great, which I think everybody um, ought to have a, a taste of, really. Well, yeah. I mean, I defy anyone to to say. You know, a lot. So many people say, "Oh, I don't like beer," and it's like, how can you? You can't. It's not. It's like saying you don't like. I don't know vegetables, any vegetable yeah, at all, yeah. or you know, it's kind of. <laughs> I don't like puddings. We don't like any yeah. puddings. Um, yeah. You know, so it's it's. Uh, you know, I think I think the, the you know the the problem is that that unfortunately the range of beer that's being presented to people a lot of the time isn't the full range of that there is. And if people are able to sit down and really explore the different styles of beer, I, you know, I really do think that that people will always find something that they like. Yeah, 
What, what do you think about lager? Because that's got a bit of a, a tainted past, hasn't it, with the mass-produced stuff? And yet now I've I've found some really good ones. Yeah, I think um, I think lager is you know it was it was the um, I think it it was the the sort of uh, at the back of the pack when yeah. the the sort of uh, putting it in inverted commas craft beer revolution kind of happened. I think there was sort of an idea that you know, like you say, this perception of lager as being mass-produced or um, um, you know not the sort of thing that people who are into craft beer wanted to drink or whatever, uh, which wasn't true. Um, and as you say, there's some amazing lagers being produced um, at the moment. Um, though lost and grounded in Bristol produce an amazing Keller beer. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a brewery in London, Pillars, who are only producing lagers. Um, and a number of breweries have recently re- produced um, some fantastic, you know, lagers. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely... Uh, you know, and lagers, the range of lager is vast as well. When I first started yeah. really getting into beer, um, I started kind of tasting the different styles of beer and there's so many styles of just lager. It's it's yes. certainly not um, just sort of maybe some of the mass produced stuff that people ha- have, have come across. Um, you know, there's smoked lager, there's black lager, there's dark lager, there's, you know, all these different types yeah. of, of lagers. Um so I'm getting again, quite thirst. I'm getting yeah, quite I know. Thirsty, <laughs> it's not quite lunch yet, is it? <laughs> not quite. It's probably a little bit early, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but talking about beer does tend to make you thirsty. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, yeah, and and that that and the food. Yes. Good gracious. Yeah, yeah. Actually, as, as a home brewer myself. Mm, um, yes, I didn't you, know you were a home brewer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been brewing a few years now, and, and I made one which everybody says is my best one, which was basically um, a German lager. Mm-hmm style but then i put in some mosaic and amarillo oh nice towards the end of the boil and Mm. dry hopped it and it's got this gorgeous um sort of american hot sea flavor oh cool yeah then you've got then you've got the lager back backdrop which i I found very nice nice yeah i mean it's so nice being able to home brewing is so good for that isn't it you can experiment you know on a scale that the big brewers can't and you know even you know the, the economies of scale kind of mean that you can you can put in some interesting, very interesting ingredients um, into your home brew that um, that you know bigger brewers can't. Yeah. Are you still home brewing, Emma? I haven't for a while. I must admit, um, purely because of time, not because I don't want to. So, um, yeah, I have a, I have a little brew shed with uh, I have a grandfather system, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I love I love brewing, but uh, but I, I've never managed to. You know, some people say they can sort of whip off a home brew in a morning. I've never managed to do that. It always seems to take me the entire day. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I I just haven't had the time for it for it recently. But it is it's such a wonderful thing to do. So rewarding. Yeah. I can, I can, if anybody's thinking about doing home brewing, who's listening to this, um, but you think, oh, it's a bit complicated and take a lot of time. Yes, it does take a bit of time, but it's well worth it. And it's great fun, isn't it? It's really good fun. Yeah. As, as you put the hops in and everything and the steam and just takes you back, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think also if you're into cooking in any way, which so many people are nowadays, and especially since lockdown, so many people have discovered a love of cooking or baking or fermenting in terms of, you know, sourdough bread or, or fermenting uh, vegetables and stuff. It's it's all of those things. It's that sort of the art and the science kind of mixed yeah. together. And um, it's it doesn't take much to be able to do. You don't need much equipment to be able to do no. it. Um, you can do it quite simply on your on your stovetop. You don't need to go mad. Obviously, if you're like me, you end up, you know, then going down some sort of rabbit hole of buying every single thing there is, but um, okay. <laughs> and brewing more and more. But um, but yeah, you really don't have to. You can brew in quite small scales on your on your stovetop, and it's yeah, it's a lovely thing to do. 
It, it is. And, and I think the other thing is, is that, of course, you've got to be clean and you've got to sanitize mm-hmm. everything. But I think beer in its making is quite forgiving. It is, a few, yeah. A few extra ingredients by mistake, you know. <laughs> it sort of works itself out, doesn't it, really? Yeah. On the whole, as long as you've not got an infection, you can you can come up with something pretty good, even on your first go, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it, you know, having listened to your show, you, you've travelled around a lot to see many, many, many breweries, mm-hmm. in, certainly in the UK, but also abroad, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been very, been very lucky actually. So, um, yeah, I mean, last year, um, one of the uh, yeah the best trips I've been on was to to the Czech Republic, um, yeah. and we went to an uh, you know a number of different beers, a number of different breweries. Sorry, in um, Bohemia, and it was I mean it was it was just wonderful to see you know uh, you know another uh, culture of brewing. They're the biggest beer drinkers in the world, apparently the Czechs. Um, to see another beer culture uh, in action, and to to hear from the brewers in some very very traditional breweries um, and some more modern breweries, what you know what uh, what what the what they're doing to watch what they're doing to um, to taste their beers to talk to them about the issues that are around. It was it's fascinating, and I think. Um, you know, I think uh, I was, I'm thinking of also another another night uh, when I was in Barcelona. I went to Barcelona at the beginning of last year to the the beer festival over there, which is an amazing beer festival. But I was um, on my own one evening and wanted to check out a couple of beer bars. And um, I, th- I kind of think you're never alone if you're if you're a beer fan, really, because yeah. um, you know within half an hour or so of being in a bar, I was sat at a table with. Um, Sort of a, a Dutch guy, a Swedish guy, someone from um, uh, Brazil, I think, and and someone from uh, from Spain. And you know, we didn't share the same language, but we had the had the language of beer, and we had a, a wonderful night together. Um, and you know, you just kind of, you know, it's it's such a convivial drink, I think, that kind of yes. brings people together over over geography, over time. It links us to our past. It you know, it links us to to people in other cultures around us. And um, yeah, it's it's a it's an amazing thing that you can track through all different cultures and um, and make friends. Yeah, yeah, and and I think the people in the certainly the people I don't know many people, but but from what I hear, the the actual brewers themselves, um, although they're you know they want to, they want to run a very successful business. Um, they help each other out. Have you found that? I think that I've been told told that a lot by um, by brewers that you know sort of they're going in when they go into that business from you know maybe being in a in a different different industry they go into the beer industry and they're they're amazed at how much help uh, they're given um, by people in the industry. I think there is that um, that sort of um, of course people are um, often competing for the same customers, but they're also working together to 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 create a scene that is that is exciting and wonderful and that everyone kind of benefits from and um you kind of see that in the collaboration brews that are often done between a lot of um lots of newer brewers you know they'll brew brew collaborations they'll learn from each other learn you know again sort of learn see how other people do it on their kit um see how they might make things give contributions to that and um yeah and and i think that you know that really brings the, the the whole scene together really yeah. One thing I meant to ask you when we were talking earlier on about how the how has been almost like a renaissance in beer is the term craft beer. What how how would you define craft beer? <laughs> I'm sorry, is it a hard one? <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's interesting. There is there is no written definition of craft beer. Um in the states the Brewers Association have endeavored to have a definition of a craft brewery. 
but um over here we don't we don't have that and we don't have um a definition of craft and i think that's it's it's um it has racked people's brains for a while i think perhaps not so much now i think people are kind of relaxing into it i think a bit um you know sort of this idea that we had to somehow define what was craft and what wasn't craft and um and i think unfortunately it, in this country with our um you know as i say with our very strong brewing heritage in terms of um cask ale at times older cask brewers got left out of that definition um that, that sort of craft some people's definition of craft beer was excluding of that it was more around uh you know sort of the new big american hot flavors kegged beer uh colder beer fizzier beer um it yeah. was around that um and more challenging styles kind of thing rather than sort of the um caspers and, and I, I suppose if you if you're thinking of what what the word craft really means what does the word craft really mean? Pete Brown, the beer writer, has just written a book about this. Um, but, uh, you know, if you really think about it, then surely, you know, brewing uh, an ale in a traditional way that's been done for hundreds of years, uh, creating a live product that lives in the in the pub cellar, uh, that, to me, sounds like a craft. Um, yeah. You know, so, so I think there was sort of, you know, there's a lot of sort of... Um, uh, worrying about that phrase, I think, um, and I think it's, and also it's used sometimes by multinational brewers, you know, to define a certain part of their range. You know, they'll they'll have one bit of their range that's sort of you know, the stuff they've always made, and then they'll have this other bit. Oh, that's our craft beer, and so it, it's kind of it. That, it's it's hard to give it a meaning, really, and um, so it is something I try to avoid, uh, or I put it in inverted commas, which is hard to do in audio. But um, <laughs> I, no, I know uh, what you, mean. I you know, know what it's you mean. it's it's something that I think I think in some ways we think we know what we mean, and often yes. we're right. But then there's these outliers that you think, oh, I'm not sure whether that is, I'm not sure whether that is. So does that make the word redundant? I'm I'm not sure. So, um, so maybe maybe yeah. we shouldn't worry too much about the I, definition. I don't think, think we should. Good yeah, quality, well produced beer with great. Yeah, beer. and things that that people and I think particularly people nowadays, um, uh, you know, and it was shown over over lockdown and stuff that um, people are very keen to get their hands on something that's local, something that you know they know how it's produced. They uh, they can they know the people who have produced it. They can have it delivered to their door by, you know, a brewery that's just down the road. And those sorts of things, I think, are really important to people, perhaps more so than sort of, is it craft or is it not? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as it's a nice beer to drink. Yes. <laughs> I, I noticed on, on your show, and I, I forgive me, I, I can't remember the name of the brewery, but um, there seem to be a number of breweries that are really into the sort of environmental mm-hmm. sustainability part of brewing beer with their, with their brewing. Um, but there was one you went to visit. Mm. Um, it was in the south of England. Can, That's can right. Yeah, yeah. So that was Good Things Brewing. Yeah. That's so um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're and they're and uh, yeah. So they're not far away from me um, on the sort of Kent Sussex border. Um, yeah. And they, uh, I mean, it's an incredible brewery actually, run by a very sort of driven guy um, who used to work in sustainable engineering. Now works in in brewing and had this commitment to build this kind of uh, zero impact brewery and. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. They, they've got a sort of a whole field of solar panels. So the whole place is off grid. And in fact, they're able to 
pump electricity back in. They they have they create more electricity than they use. Um, they have a borehole uh, in the back of their brewery where they get the get their water direct from sort of um, you know in in the in the downs. Um, and again, they bring up more water than they use and are able to um, to yeah. you know share that or or you know they they've got more than they need anyway. Um, so, and they but they're also very um, very careful around you know. Um, Beer can be making beer can be a very sort of um, water hungry, uh, which maybe that should be water thirsty uh, process. Um, With all the cooling and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah lots of cooling, lots of cleaning. Uh, yeah. It can take you know a number of pints of water to make one pint of beer. So um, they're very committed to um, to reducing that. Uh, they also um, a lot of brewers, you know, many many brewers give their grain, their spent grains that have been in the mash tun and finished with um they give the sort of their barley or whatever to farmers for for yeah. cattle feed um but good things sort of take that one step further they they dehydrate all their spent grains they yeah. grind it up um in using a very traditional mill and um and make flour which can then be used oh, to make fantastic. make bread and pizzas and all the rest of it so yeah, yeah they're they're quite an amazing amazing place and i, I actually you know, sustainability is big for everybody. There's there's other breweries who are very um, very uh, doing a lot of work around it at the moment. So Adnams uh, in Suffolk, they they're um, very committed to sustainability, and um, and Brewdog, I believe, have just bought uh, a two thousand acre plot to plant. I think their ambition is to plant a million trees. Um, I saw, yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah so there's another, a um, crowdfunding thing. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. that you know, it's a it's a big issue. If I was listening back yeah. to some audio that I'd made uh, around this time last year, um, yeah. where I, you know, I'd, sustainability was such a massive thing, um, and it, it, had, it was a real sort of snowball gathering pace, rolling down a hill that. Uh, that I said, you know, I, I predict that, s- that sustainability will be the uh, the big issue dominating beer and pubs uh, for the next year, for whole yeah. of twenty twenty. Of course, it, it little did I know oh, that uh, there'd gracious. be another kind of issue dominating beer and pubs. But I, you know, I I think sustainability it it's still at the forefront of people's yeah. minds, and and perhaps even more so now with the you know the, this consumer wish to have local products and uh you know ethically made products and that kind of stuff people are yeah. they want to know where to spend their money and they're they're yes. making a lot of more judgments about how they spend it yes I, th- I think i think we're all doing that aren't we i think so um, yeah so yeah you mentioned the what happened this year how, mm-hmm. how, i mean I, I i don't know what's happened but how how has covid affected the beer industry do you think? oh it's been it's been uh, awful you know um i think it's um there's been a number of uh, yeah. Number of changes, but I mean, uh, you know, a lot of breweries supply solely or pretty much, you know, eighty or ninety percent of their of their um, production goes to pubs and bars. Yeah. So when lockdown happened, um, that just went. Every you know every every customer that they had just went. Um, so some breweries stopped brewing altogether. Some of them reduced their brewing. Uh, and a lot of them uh, scrabbled to uh, get online, <clears throat> yeah. start packaging their beer in small pack and, and selling direct to customers. Um, so that happened to a lot of people. But according to CBA, the um, Society of Independent Brewers, um, there was an 82% drop in beer sales um, following lockdown. I mean, it's enormous. It's yeah. enormous. Yeah. Um, and that's what sort of independent brewers were reporting to them. So... You know, it's had this enormous hit on people. Um, 
you know, some people have have managed to get their their online stuff, managed to you know keep themselves going with with online sales, and um, you know when pubs could reopen or tap rooms could reopen, getting a little bit a um, little bit more trade there, um, developing kind of really good links with their customers. Um, but it's it's been incredibly hard, and and it remains hard. You know, as as we speak, we're waiting for an announcement today, aren't we? From the we um, are, yes. from the the prime minister on on what will happen next in terms of lockdown arrangements. And um, you know, any I think it's um, you know pubs have had an extremely hard time, but it's also the supply chain behind pubs as well. The yes. you know of which the brewers are a part, and um, and it's you know it's incredibly hard for them yeah. when their main customer just disappears you know it just yeah. goes yeah yeah it's been hard for everybody hasn't it mm. I, there was a pub not far from me in peterborough um, mm. that in the spring that turned itself from a pub to a garden center right um, how's that fire diversing diversifying but yeah i mean there's uh, pub some pubs did some incredible stuff over yeah. um over lockdown you know the pub a local to me that helped um you know, uh, delivered meals on wheels to to vulnerable customers, and um, you know a lot of pubs that really went the extra mile, and breweries as well. You know that were, um, you know, even in the midst of of uh, of the nightmare that they were in, were still raising money for people, were still doing doing stuff for people that that really helped their community and um, supported their community. And I think, I hope, and I believe that people will remember that, um, yes. and that people will, you know have their loyalties towards those breweries um in the future and those pubs that, yeah. that really as you say went that extra mile yes no I, th- I think it's great so you um you won an award in 2018 mm. could you tell yes. us about that please so i won the uh the british guild of beer writers beer writer of the year which which was yeah very very exciting oh, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah i was uh, so um yeah it's great so the british guild of beer writers is what it says on the tin basically so yeah. beer writers in the in uh, in great britain can join that and in fact that we've got uh, there's our, our beer writers from elsewhere in in uh, europe and i believe sometimes the states uh, also join the guild or affiliate to the guild um and yeah and uh, they, they give out a number of awards every um Every year, and uh, I was lucky enough to to win the you know, the beer writer of the year award, which was yeah, which was very good. So uh, I think um, from what I can tell, going back in history, uh, uh, another woman had won it alongside her writing partner before. So there's a yeah. pair of beer writers who write together. They'd won it before, but there hadn't been another woman who won it on her own before. So I was oh, the first excellent. solo woman to win well, to well, win that award. So that. thank that's, you. Yeah, well, that's, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. And if if you if anybody listening would like to get into the beer industry, either through a home, you know, perhaps they enjoy home brewing or they want to change a career, what would, you, what would you say to that sort of person if they wanted to do that? Um, at the moment, oh, my God. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's an amazing industry. And as I say, it's not, you know, home brewing is a fantastic way to start to learn about about yeah. beer and to learn, um, you know, there is more, you know, it is, it is, as I said earlier, I think both an art and a science. Um, you've got to know both really to be producing good, consistent, um, drinkable beer yes. and exciting and interesting beer. Um, and uh, so I think homebrewing is a, a great way to start. And, you know, reading, learning, tasting different styles of beer, getting to know different styles of beer, um, you know, that might involve having to 
you know, get some stuff on mail order from from different countries or whatever through through Beers of Europe or whatever, um, who's an online retailer. But, um, you know, taste a whole load of beer as well. Find out what it is you like, what it is you don't like. Find out about the history of all the beers. Because um, that, for me, is, you know, one of the most interesting parts. You know, beer is so uh, – has this massive history behind it that's, um, yes. you know – there's always something to learn and something to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, the, the industry is, is you know, facing challenges at the moment. Um, but there are often opportunities at, at breweries in terms of, um, you know, volunteering. I don't know how that would be at the moment in, you know, oh, with COVID. COVID restrictions. I'm yeah. not sure how yeah. that would be. Um, but, yeah, it's we- kind of, uh, you know, don't rule it out as as something to do. It's 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 a it's a it's um it's a an industry that's lasted many thousands of years and will continue to. So, yes. though people yeah. will always want beer. Um, they will. When we get through this, people will definitely want beer. Yeah. yeah. And we will we will get through this. Yes, we will. Event eventually. Yeah. Which should, which should be great. And and I think the other interesting thing is is that I think to correct me if I'm wrong, Emma, but are there something like two thousand independent breweries in the UK? Yeah, there are. I mean, uh, you know, I. I worry that some of them may fall by the wayside uh, through this current crisis. But yes, there are. Yeah, around two thousand, I think, is a, is a rough estimate yeah. of how many there are. Um, the, I think the other interesting thing is that that, that they still represent only about is it eight percent or something of the total um, brewing market in the UK. It is something like that. I don't know the exact figures, no. but yeah, um, it is something like that, which you know makes me makes me very optimistic that there's still a lot of people who. Perhaps haven't um, haven't discovered uh, newer, different styles of beer. Um, they may still, you know, love, they may love beer, but they've not, you know, they've either, um, you know, not come across it, or perhaps they've felt excluded by it in some way or other. Um, yeah. And and so that you know, there's still a massive market that that uh, to reach out to, really. Yeah. And you know, because because lots of people like beer. I mean, lots of people like mainstream beer, and that's fine. That's that's yeah. the beer they like. But if people um, you know, want to try something perhaps, you know, that they've not tried before, then there's lots of opportunities for that. And there's lots of opportunities, I think, for the for the area of kind of independent brewing to, to grow. Um, yes. Given the right circumstances, yeah, um, yeah, which obviously we're not in at the moment. But uh, given the right circumstances, I think there's room for it to grow and there's, there's more consumers to, to get on board, yeah. So what current up-and-coming projects have you got, Emma, coming up that you'd like to tell listeners about? So at the moment I'm... Um, trying anyway within the limits of lockdown to uh, work on a video project uh, which is called fermentation on tour um so uh that involves me going to um various breweries around the country well drinks drinks producers actually but mainly breweries um around the country uh to find out how they're getting on at the moment really and um uh you know how how sort of covid has affected them and um where they are kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing that in my little motorhome, which I've got. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm poodling that, tour. which is, yeah, literally on tour. Wow. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of quite good in the age of, of COVID to have your own self-contained facilities yes. on wheels. So, um, yes, yes. yeah, it kind of means you don't need to, uh, brush up against anyone or, you know, yeah. uh, anything like that. So uh, yeah, I've been, I've been doing a bit of that. So, um, the first sort of episode or first sh- very short series of that will come out soon. And I'm um, oh, looking forward to that. Yeah, it should be good fun. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Is, is that coming out on television? 
no that'll be on uh on youtube uh on that'll YouTube, be on yeah. yeah on youtube channel um yeah. so uh, which is fermentation productions um but the yeah the the uh, stream is called uh fermentation on tour so yeah. uh yeah that should be around soon and um Excellent. and this i've got podcast material in the pipeline to uh get get out there so there's still yeah. stuff coming in around that but also i've got um I recorded a series uh, last year called Cider's Web, another podcast series around cider, um, which then COVID again interrupted. So um, that will be that will be appearing at some point as well. So, <laughs> so there's a few so, things waiting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what, what I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll grab all the um, links from mm-hmm. if you don't mind. I mean, we'll put all that on the show notes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Have a, have a listen yeah. to it and, and have a look as yeah. well. That's great stuff. Excellent. Yeah. So. Um, Thank you ever so much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for asking uh, me. It's been great hearing all this stuff, and I'm sure listeners will enjoy it. And um, I wish you all the very best. Yes, you and you. Take care. Good luck. Thanks very much, Emma. You have been listening to Undercurrent Stories. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I will be most grateful if you would please rate and review. To hear more episodes, please subscribe to the show and visit undercurrentstories.com. If you leave your email in the link, we will notify you as soon as new episodes are released. Also, check out our social media links, details of which can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best. 